Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot. Hello, we're back. And Johnson. Back from detox, Scoot. Guido, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We have a ton of stuff to talk about, but man, I gotta be honest with you. I know folks, I know you've probably been craving for an episode. Crying this couple, for another episode. I know. It's been it's been rough. We needed we needed a WVU detox for a couple of weeks. I think if you think back to last episode, Scoot, where Guido spent the best, like the better part of the time, just yelling at us from a from a point well, of frustration. We needed a. We it needed was to as step if away. he was like kind of like I think hugs might have been rubbing off on him, so he kind of yelled at us. He put right? us on treadmills, like, like hugs would do. He did. Then he was like, I feel like he was just disgusted with us. Yeah, like hugs would do. Then it got to the point where on a couple of the shows, I think he was just sitting on his stool, not saying a word, with his right. arms crossed. Yep. Right. Like yeah. It. Telling Listen, his wife, went, hey, if they're not going to talk about it, you talk about it. it. Talk about it with them. Talk about it. with Like, he was kind of, like, treating us like he was treating Larry. Yes. I went back in preparation for this week's show and listened to that that episode from almost four weeks ago now. And, boy, we, we, I mean... Listen, you can put it all on me, but we were all in a pretty no, dark we were. place. We were in a like we were in a frustrated darkness, place. My old friend, <laughs> it was bad. It was it was extremely not a good place. I mean, a, a really rough end to the basketball season. Yeah, uh, football, you know, continued to be a mess. No, and no postseason that, births. Football was still having bad news. I mean, it was. I I get it. I that's where we were. That's why we stepped away. And so now. Now we have some now better stuff to talk about, right? So I mean, we have things, I guess, and that's a good thing. Taking a couple weeks off, we have some stuff to talk about. Uh, what we're going to do tonight, folks, for you is we're going to do three segments, three like pretty awesome segments. I hope we're going to do a football segment, a basketball segment, and a baseball segment. That's that'll be fun. It'll be a good time. We'll start with football, guys. So I think we'll start with the biggest news, which is J.T. Daniels, probably the biggest quarter the biggest quarterback name to go into the portal decides to come to WVU. He has that connection with Graham Harrell. Scooty, is this like, is this the biggest thing to happen to WVU since Will Greer? Um, well, that's a good question. Is it bigger? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I, so looking through the off season, um, I, I didn't know what we were going to do with quarterback. I, I know that um, Neil Brown had said that we're going to go through this quarterback competition, but then he kind of hinted that maybe we would look in the transfer portal if things didn't look like they were going to pan out or guys wouldn't be ready or whatever. Yeah. Um, There were a couple of potential transfers before that, though, that we looked at with Jackson Dart was a name that was thrown around because of the connection to Graham Harrell just happened to be. Uh, the timing of us hiring Graham Harrell and Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg putting themselves in the portal seemed kind of oddly similar or, or uh, coincidental, I guess. And that got everyone on Mountaineer Twitter kind of lathered up for a couple days. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think JT Daniels is maybe the the biggest rated recruit we've had or transfer we've we've had maybe since Greer. How, but I would say. I would say name-wise, probably Spencer Rattler or there might even be a couple other quarterbacks. Uh, Caleb Williams transferred as well to USC. I think those names 
or probably bigger names, at least in the Big 12 and, and maybe on people's minds. Spencer Rattler has a cool logo for himself. I don't but know if JT Daniels does. But I don't think we've I don't think we've ever had a former five star rated quarterback ever come and suit up either either out of high school or through the transfer portal so far at WVU. And I think, Scoot, if you're if you're not excited, if you're not happy, if this didn't make your day the other day as a WVU fan, then I think you're just you're just determined to be grumpy because this was a huge win. Uh, okay, so I'm the grumpy guy of the group. I know that Guido was kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't. He was kind of like the guy from Mad Money, uh, Jim. What's his face? Jim Cramer. Yeah. So Guido was like Jim Cramer on the last show, yelling about buy and sell, and he has just <laughs> lost his mind. But I would say that I've been the most cynical of the three of us on this show of football. Um, I'm thrilled that JT Daniels chose to come to the Mountaineers because that tells me a couple things. One, it tells me that he must see enough in the program that's worth joining for his last couple years to try to finish out and, and do well. The, the cynical side, the skeptical side still says, you know, okay, we've got him, but we still have to do something with him, right? So like, I, until we start seeing things with him, I, I'm hoping that with Graham Harrell on board and JT who knows a little bit of Graham Harrell's offense and, and some of the, they were talking about schemes and knowing some of that kind of stuff and the language of the offense. I'm hoping that that translates to the rest of the players, right? So we've got a, a decent group of running backs. We've got a decent group of wide receivers. Well, and here's the thing about it. Like if you look at JT Daniels and where, what his sort of, trajectory has been you know since he came into you know ncaa division one football in 2018 you know he was a he was a highly sought after five-star recruit coming out of high school he went to usc you know big program uh you know jt daniels is you know was a big name goes to usc freshman year in the pac-12 he plays 11 games he throws for 2600 yards 17 or i think 15 touchdowns somewhere around there uh second year at usc is when graham harrell came in so the first year he didn't have graham harrell as his offensive coordinator second year graham harrell comes in as the offensive coordinator they click but then there's issues overall with USC. USC has their problems uh, at the time. Their coach Clay Helton uh, gets fired because USC had, you know, for USC an eight and five is a subpar year for them. Uh, and so JT Daniels leaves. He looks for better, greener pastures. He goes to Georgia. Georgia doesn't click. Like something about either if it was the SEC or whatever, you know, new program. Now he's, you know, obviously the connection there is Graham Harrell. Like, Graham Harrell is the connection. He made a connection with Graham Harrell when they were at USC together. Graham Harrell's now at WVU. It's a connection. I think what's going to be interesting about it is is the, the storyline is going to be is that, you know, this is his last chance. Like, this is similar to what happened with Will Greer. I don't know if you guys remember, but when Will Greer came from Florida to us, sure. it was a very much like – this is Will's last chance. Yep. He's either going to make it or he's going to be nothing. Right. And so I think that's good for West Virginia and the fact that these guys come and they think, well, we can go to West Virginia and we can make it. Look what Will Greer did. Look what, you know. And so I think that's 
for us, that's a positive. I mean, we didn't get a Jackson Dart. We, you know, he goes to Old Miss. Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina. But we get probably what is going to be the third highest guy, a former five-star recruit, Johnson. He's not going to see campus until, you know, he's not going to really start to see practices, I guess, until summer, till till camp opens in, in August. How does this affect the other three guys that were competing for that job? Yeah, I think it's interesting that there, there were some – uh, folks, so I, you know, Scoot, one of my, I'm glad Guido posed the question that way because one reason that I pointed that to you about if you're not happy, then you're just being grumpy. I saw some tweets to like Jeremy Phoenix and the guys over at uh, Raspy Voice Kids. They were saying someone had commented to him um, saying, well, this is the stupidest thing Neil Brown has ever done. And I thought, I can't understand why someone would react that way. And my only, and I didn't see, there wasn't really, I didn't see a whole lot of follow up to that. It was just someone being like difficult. You know how you, you like to be contrary, Scoot. I feel like this person on Twitter was just being that's contrary. Not, that's not true. The, see what the, I did there? the only thing I can think of though, is someone is like a huge Nico fan, right? Uh, either a huge Nico fan or, you know, they're thinking that Garrett green was, working out you know that's the only thing i can think of so it, it's got to be someone thinking it's going to cause like well now you've thrown this guy in the or, middle of what was going to be take it this way and i don't i don't want to go down this road because i'm hoping that that's not maybe what they were meaning but for neil brown's job security it might be not a great thing in the sense that i think he gets a pass if he goes with one of the three young guys i think there's a little bit more forgiveness uh, if the if they come out kind of rough starting and and don't and don't fire on all cylinders right away, I think when you trot out a five star, uh, highly touted transfer quarterback, the expectation now is you better win that Pitt game, yeah, right. and you better turn around and win that Virginia Tech game. Well, and you better win just in general, right? And, I mean, I and right, right. And so if you sputter to a one and four first half of the season or a two and four because I'm, I'm assuming we'll probably beat Kansas because it's in a weird spot then I think he's on the hot seat like he's I mean I think there's yeah, but, but but here's the thing and like this is where I look at it like I think that I think either way Neil Brown's gonna get a pass for this year again like I, I I hear I hear what you're saying, but I still think that now people are going to look at it and going, well, Neil Brown with the Graham Harrell hire, the 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 total transparency over the off season of, hey, I was calling the offense and it wasn't working. We need to find somebody to call the offense. I think all of those things put together and the JT Daniels coming in, like even if it is only a five win season. I think he keeps his job. Like I, well, I mean, I, I think if it goes, I think if you, if it gets really bad, like that's a different story. But I, I, we talked, we were texting about it, guys, and I asked you. I'm a baseball guy, and we talked about, well, what's what's wins above replacement for, for somebody like JT Daniels? Like, is JT Daniels two wins better than Nico or Garrett Green in our our schedule? Oh, I think yes. Yeah, I think so, yes. So you look at it and you go, well, with Garrett Green, maybe we were three wins or four wins, and with with JT Daniels, we're six wins or seven wins. I mean, I think that saves Neil Brown's job. Well, how about the quote? So there was a two four seven sports article that I'll I'll link to the tweet or the article, but 
where they interviewed JT Daniels dad, I think I sent this to you guys, but they had a quote here from JT Daniels dad that said he felt comfortable with the staff. He felt there was plenty of talent there to win. They took him in. They have an analytics dude. I wonder who the analytics dude is. They have all these ratings for all the players. They said that JT comes in and is among the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. I mean, that makes sense. It takes them Mm -hmm. from roughly six wins to 10 wins at a minimum. That was big. That's That's big. He wants to win a championship, and now they know the Big 12 title is now attainable. When I read that, I was like, slow down. Like in In the moment, I was like, slow down. But, I mean, that's pretty high- that's, that's that's high expectations. Yeah, that's really that's high expectations setting on early. But like, let's so let's do. I want to do two things here, guys. I want to talk about the existing quarterbacks in the program, yeah. and I want to talk about. And I want to talk about wide receivers okay. for for it. Let's start with quarterbacks. So I think all along we kind of all had our mindset that the starting quarterback was either going to be. Garrett Green or Nico was going to be this like freshman phenom and he was going to be the starter. So now you're looking at, well, you've got Garrett, you've got Nico freshman coming in and you've got Will Crowder who, you know, goose who, you know, was an Alabama guy coming, coming in, you know, playing high school ball in Alabama, pretty highly rated. What, what happens to those three guys? Like, does one of them transfer? Do do two of them transfer? Do we, do, uh, you know, I th- who's who's the backup? What do I think? I'll tell you what I yeah, think. Yeah, what do you think, Scoot? I think for me personally, or I guess not for me, but for, for Garrett's sake, I think Garrett should look to transfer because I don't know that his stock will be much higher than it is right now in the sense that he at least Why has some. Why is his stock so high, though? Well, Why do he's you think got his some stock game is high? Film. Right, he's got some game film where he's where he played against Oklahoma. He can use some things there. If he he's sits got the three bench, plays against Oklahoma, Scooter. He's saying, got three yeah. plays that look good okay, against Oklahoma. Okay, so if he rides the bench for the next three years or two years and then looks to transfer, what's he going to go back to? Four years ago, I, I ran three plays against Oklahoma. At least it's somewhat current, right? So I I think. Because we're not going to use him, it's not like we're not going to run a wildcat offense with JT Daniels there. That would be uh, no. something, and that's not what Graham mm-hmm. Harrell does. So I don't no, see that that's happening. Not what Graham Harrell does. Goose, ooh, that's a good question. Like, does Goose go? Goose probably says, "I don't have much of a chance here. I don't really know." Especially if he if if we get to the spring through the spring, and it seems like he might be number two or number three on that depth chart depending on what they do with Nico, uh, I think Goose probably looks around and says, you know what, uh, maybe someplace closer to where I'm from in Alabama seems appealing to me. I think Nico stays. I, I do think Nico stays. Um, I, I don't know for how long he'll stay, but he'll definitely stay through this year, I think. Johnson, what do you think? Well, I think – you know, a few shows ago when we were, I think we were even kicking around like the, the other transfers and, you know, even before the JT Daniels stuff, we were kind of surmising that we thought if, if that scenario came about, I think we felt like, uh, goose, I started to say, well, goose and, uh, and Garrett were the odd men out goose, especially. And I think that's where I still feel. And for a lot of what Scoot just said too, I think, I wouldn't maybe use the term stock, but I think right now the prevailing attitude toward Garrett Green is that people really felt like he hasn't gotten the proper chance. And I think you could, uh, Scoot, I think you could agree that, 
like you would as a player, you would kind of ride that in the transfer portal. Like I've got the goods. I haven't like you. I think you'd ride yeah. that wave oh, of a change of pace that you yeah. haven't seen. Right. Right. And you would even play up that series in Norman, Oklahoma and stuff like that. And you'd, you'd have some ammo to get out. I think, I think if you're goose, I've always gotten the impression that he had some looks from other schools around, you know, like I think, for some reason I feel like Arkansas state and some other schools like at that level. And he is probably looking at Nico and now JT Daniels with two years. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, yeah, what, you know, I'm not just going to sit here, sit here on the bench. I'd like to play. And I think because I already think Nico is probably a little bit like not, he's never going to show it. I would think, but he's probably not jumping for joy either. Cause he probably knows now he's, a season or two, you know, at least from getting on the field. So if he feels like that, I would have to think Garrett Green and the rest of the quarterback room are like, yeah, I, I probably need to look at other options. Yeah, and I'm with you. Like, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I thought about it a little bit more since we texted about it. And the more I think about it, the more I think about that both Goose and Garrett are gone. They're both going to hit the transfer It wouldn't portal. surprise me gonna, at all, right? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And I think here here's the reasons why. And they'll do it before or earlier on in the season because they don't want to lose that year of eligibility, you know, because that's how NCAA works now. But when you look at WVU's quarterback situation now as it stands, I think it's positive for Nico. Like Nico now can can act as uh, act as a red shirt. He can come in. He can learn the systems. He can try to you know meld with Graham Harrell and whatever the offense is going to do. It seems like as a fan, you could look at that situation and. F- feel like that's a potential positive right you got a lot of tutelage there from both already from harold and now jt daniels like you could come on the scene when it's your time and really like hit the ground i i feel like for nico with his talent that would make sense to me and then when you look at like the depth in there and i mean uh, matt cavallero who i think has been a quarterback at wvu for like six years now i mean i know it's not that (laughs) maybe eight but I, he's he's uh, he's actually listed as a redshirt junior coming into this season. Really? And, like, he's one of those guys that he's been in the program. He kind of knows the system. Like, he can be your backup or he your second backup quarterback. He can be, like, your emergency guy, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and then you, on top of that, we've also recruited a, a kid named, and I haven't done a lot of research on him. I know he's a pro-style quarterback out of New Jersey, Jake Robbins. So you've got some depth there to play with. And I think what you'll see is, I mean, do we really need – Garrett Green or Will Crowder to be the backup next year, or can Nico fill that role? And I think that's where the question is: is like, what happens? JT Daniels is the starter. What happens if JT Daniels gets hurt? Who's that next guy up? I think it. And is it I think it's Nico because we do, JT does have a bit of an injury um, history. History, yeah. So I think that it it could be uh, Nico as the backup going into this year. Uh, like you said, I think he benefits greatly from a year or even some months with Graham Harrell and JT Daniels. Um, JT is going to come in and say, hey, well, this is like how we did it here at Georgia or this is how we did it over here at USC. And I think that that uh, translates to guys when they hear from older guys that have been places uh, that, right. have, that are highly recognized. What I think is funny and a point I want to make is how laughable – is it that people were butthurt over when Tyson Badgett came for a visit and then he decided not to come to WVU or we didn't fully extend him an offer? Listen, like, 
and you got JT Daniels. Scooty, that's a West Virginia thing. That's hilarious to me. Like, where are all those people that were like clamoring for, well, we don't know good when we see it, and we're going to just let them slip through our fingers. We want a D2 kid as our starting quarterback. He was D2 player of the year. He should have been recruited out of high school. Yeah, but that was pre-Graham Harrell, right? I know, but it's hilarious That's what we we were grasping at straws, We were so down that we were like, like everyone was depressed when Tyson Badgett said uh, he's going to go back to Shepard, or we didn't really fully offer him an, a scholarship or whatever. But like there was like paparazzi pictures of Tyson Badgett yeah, right? and Neil Brown. Pictures of him in the, at the in the Coliseum with Coach. But I, I, I feel crazy. like that's the same. That's akin to like you've opened the Ikea box and you're trying to put the right. desk together and you've got all the parts out and you're, you're looking at your spouse and you're like, I don't know. I put the dowel pins in. I don't know where the Allen wrench is. Like just try. I know it's, I know it says part double a, but all I find is part G just try. I don't know. Just tr- like nothing's working. Just put it in. I feel like that's where we were. And Tyson Badgett shows up in the Coliseum. We're like, I don't know. Give it a shot. You know, that's where Give we it, were. It's a guy, hey, Right. But but I think since then, I mean, when you have, you know, you have Graham Harrell now as the offensive coordinator, uh, you have JT Daniels coming in as quarterback, you, you start to change. And I, and I got to tell you guys, like, I, I'm not looking forward to every August, w- the, the three of us, we sit down and we pick the season. You know, we do our we 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 prognosticate on how the I'm not looking forward to it this year because there's or I pretty much predict how it's going to turn. Yeah. Out. Yeah. There's part of me. There's part of me who feels like it's going to be a six win season and barely make a bowl. And there's part of me, Johnson. I got to be honest with you. This JT Daniels thing, and you're, you guys you're made fun of me. You're all over the JT Daniels like, dad. You're I'm like, get this JT... is an 11 win season. Well, that was, We're JT, winning 11 games. I want you to get a jersey that has <laughs> JT Daniels' dad's name on the back. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> not JT. I'm back, baby. I'm back. That was the hilarious thing. Yeah, that day, Scoot Guido was. He was he was so hard back, right? Like, he was back was, just it was Easter for Guido. Yeah, it was Guido's it was, Easter. It was, he w- was risen. W- has risen. Guido full was sin. risen on that on that confirmation that he was. So so, uh, so guys, so you know, yes, I was definitely that way. So on the other end of things, JT Daniels has got to have. You know, I feel pretty confident about the running back situation. I think we're actually not in a bad spot with. Lynn J. Dixon coming in and Tony Mathis having a pretty decent year last year and 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 getting some, you know, yardage under his feet. I think where we gotta look at is the situation with wide receivers. Cause you've got this great quarterback now. Wh- who's he gonna throw to? And I think you come off the top and you think, well, Caden Prather showed a lot of promise last season. And you know, we saw the offense kind of gear, start to gear towards him the second half of the season. You still got Reese Smith. You've got Grayson. You know, you've got Reese Smith and you got Grayson Malashevich. So you've got those like, I don't know, Wes Welkery type. Slot you know, guys. five yeah, slot guys that are like you know they're like five foot eight, <laughs> five foot ten, and they just run fast across the middle of the field. But don't you think if don't you think if you're Bryce Ford Wheaton, you've like. You feel like, thank God yes. I stayed. Like, like, this was right. the I and then that's like, the thing. like, finally, I have someone to get. Because I think he was still, in large part, I mean, if you think of the Iowa State game last year alone, you know, he had, like, a ridiculously good game. He has shown some huge flashes, and he has to be, in particular, someone that's like, man, this could 
this could get, this could be special this year with with that person distributing the ball. That's what I have to think. And you still have you still have Sam James too, Guido, who we know also shows like speed and shows, you know, glimmers of things. So I I don't know. For for me suddenly for a room that seemed decimated, to me it feels like these guys now have life again, don't well, you? Well, I will say this about Sam James. Uh if you recall, we'll go back a couple of years. I believe two years ago I said that Sam James was destined for a big breakout after his his first right. campaign. Yeah. I thought, man, then he's he, going to turn it on. And then he laid an egg. Yeah, he went into and like witness, th- witness protection or this something. This past year, I thought he did a lot to eliminate the doubt that a lot of people had in his ability to catch the ball on a regular basis. There were a lot of instances where he caught the ball in traffic, where he held on to some passes that a lot of guys wouldn't have held on to. Um, so I think that he did a good job to eliminate some of those. Uh, I like to use the term naysayers. A lot of the naysayers. Yeah. We got a lot of horses out there. Nay. Um, so <laughs> I think he did a good job to do that. For me, my only, I guess it's not a gripe, but and there's nothing he can change. He's kind of slim. Like he's not a very big guy. Whereas Bryce Ford Wheaton to me seems, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong, but he seems a lot bigger of a target than Sam James. Well, yeah, I think I think BFW is like six three, six four. I think Sam James is more like six foot for one. You know, for one thing. I mean, so I think he is generally a bigger guy. Yeah. He's slight. Yeah, six four. Prather six. Prather six four. BFW is six three. I mean, I think between those two, those are your one and two. Like, I think those are your one and two yeah, receivers. I tend to agree. Yeah, I think Sam James. There's a lot of possibilities with Sam James, but I think he is more of that like specialty. You know, quick route. Like he's the fast guy. Like Sam James is fast. I don't necessarily know that BFW and Caden Prather are as fast as Sam James is, but you know, I think there's. I feel like yes, as long you know, we talked about BFW had that tweet at the end of the season last year where it was like you know Will Smith walking into the to the room looking around, yeah. and everybody's gone. And it is true, though. It's good that he stayed because I think this is great for him. I think this will be good. You know, I mean, he's a redshirt junior. I think he's got two years now with JT Daniels where he could build a little bit of uh, portfolio. Guido's also hot for a new receiver on the scene. Yeah. A Michael Evans Jr. Okay. Not to be confused <laughs> with the one that plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For the Bucks, yeah. I was gonna, I, I, I did some research. Not, not related. I'm pretty sure... Michael Evans Jr. and Michael Evans, who plays for the Buccaneers, so that's not, not related. That they're not, that Michael Evans, that plays for the Buccaneers, is not his senior. No, I, I okay. believe there's. Uh, they don't look very similar. I guess if you're getting my gist, they don't look like they'd uh, be related. Okay. Uh, yeah, Michael Evans Jr., who uh, six foot wide receiver out of uh, Pennsylvania, uh, went f- f- coming f- coming to us from Robert Morris, uh, that powerhouse of wide receivers. So. I think there are players there. I think it's it's interesting to see, but I hope that you know a lot of we t- you know and they talk about this in pro football, and I think the same is true in college football. There has to be a connection between the quarterback and the wide receiver, and hopefully those connections can be made so that these guys can can produce. I feel like we're in a really good position, guys. Like, and I, all joking aside, I mean Johnson talks about you know they were talking about ten wins is the is the goal. I don't necessarily know that that's not – I think that's obtainable. I really do think that's obtainable. I don't know. I just think that grow – so last year we really went – you know, as we got into the bowl game discussion and even postseason, 
we talked about frustration with growth, you know, and Scoot would hit on the theme a lot. Like we haven't won more than two in a row yet. And we're not like, where's the growth? Like we say we're trusting the climb, but where's the growth year over year? I think this, at least my goodness, if you ever needed a chess piece to fall into place, you know, I I'm Scoot. I'm going to say good on my reaction to JT Daniels was good on Neil Brown for getting Graham Harrell good on Graham Harrell for doing the work to do something special, like get JT Daniels in the fold. And so now I think you've really set yourself up to, okay, you've been frustrated with five, six wins. Let's see the jump to eight, you know, like let's, let's see some growth. Let's see well, winning three see in a row. Let's, like, yeah. I mean, we're here. We, we talked about in the beginning of the show, Clay Helton getting fired for an eight and five season. I look, I think back to all those Nebraska teams and then, uh, who uh, Callahan came in and I don't think he lasted because he was winning not enough games and he was winning like 11 a year. And then Frank Solich came in and he went 10 and three or something and then got fired. And and you look at us now, granted we weren't Nebraska at the time, but we were Nebraska during Frank Solich's time. We were, you know, coming off some decent seasons, like cruising around five or six wins a season, praying that we're over 500 or, or, you know, crossing our fingers the last two or three games of the season to see if we get into a bowl. And then when we get into the bowl, we don't win the bowl. That's not a great time. Yeah. I think this finally feels like, okay, now you're set up to actually let, like, let's take a step forward. So no like, excuses. Hey, Neil Brown, you got a coach. Yeah. Son. Right. Like, yeah, I feel like I can like, call him son. He's younger than us. Hey, Neil Brown, you got a coach, son. Well, Guido, I think if nothing else, it pumped some much-needed energy. I mean, my goodness, if anybody needed some energy and some oomph and some like something to like look back at the fan base and say, no, there's something here, stick with us, it was this, right? I mean, you, you had to have right. something like this. You get on Twitter, and everyone thinks that like now all of a sudden all of these big-time transfers and, and recruits are going to just kind of fall into our laps here because now we've got a big name. It's going to take a little bit more of that, but we did get a name, Guido, toward the end of the week. Yeah, so Josiah Trotter, Scoot, that's a big grab. That's huge because he's a four-star guy out of high school, and he's got some NFL lineage, right? Jeremiah Trotter, who was pretty well-known as a badass linebacker for the Eagles. Uh, This is one of his sons, and it also proves – that uh, you must be named Josiah to be recruited by the Mountaineers because the basketball <laughs> right, team yeah. has two coming. There's a lot well. of yeah, Josiah. There is, there's a lot of Josiah. There is a trend yes. here, but Scoot, can I be? I'm going to sound like you here for a second. I'm just going to warn you in advance. But I like it. Uh, as I happy, like hearing me. As happy I was over JT Daniels, and maybe I'll frame it as like the JT Daniels news to me was like a holy cow moment. Like I, like I honestly can't believe that. I thought it was a continuation of the April fool's joke, to be honest. When I, (laughs) like when I first saw it, I was like, there's no way the, the Josiah Trotter news was like, Oh man, like what a relief. Like this guy. So scoot, not only for the reasons you said, but he plays defense, right? Right. Like this is like, him on the heels of I think we got a Penn State transfer at the end of March. We've picked up some other defense, you know, defensive pieces. And then you land uh you land Trotter. To me, I was almost more excited because it was like Coach Leslie in this defense who have just been through the Akeem Mesador 
uh, press conferences and, you know, Porter Jr. now signs at Miami. Like we were surprised at that, you know, on the heels of those things and just feeling like how many more gut punches can this defensive, uh, you know, room take? You get a guy like Trotter and I felt like, man, that would be great if now that was a stabilizing force in this mass exodus on the defensive side of the ball. I think that, you know, for me, and I, I, you know, talking about the Mesador thing for one minute, Johnson, like it, it was like the Mesador thing was a gut punch. And I think everybody was shocked about it. I think that, you know, you saw it from Shane Lyons making comments all the way through the coaching staff. Nobody expected it coming. His reasoning, which... I think is a little suspect. I mean, I get it. Like I, I feel, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, shed light on that. There are issues in Morgantown. I don't want to talk about if there are times that he doesn't feel safe in the area, but like, I don't feel like that was the final reason why he transferred. Yeah, I agree. And I think someone over at the final forecast account tweeted something in the moment that said, you know, look, best of luck, but it was something to the effect of, I I didn't, I should have saved it. I don't have it in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, Hey, we hope that the very serious topic of not feeling safe on campus is being used as kind of an umbrella, you know, for reasoning to exit on into the transfer portal. We hope that's not happening. And that was my thought at the time. Like this feels really weird and like, you know, to each their own, but that seemed like a sentence in his uh, farewell that was kind of sat in there that felt like, Oh man, is that really the reasoning? So anyway, it was a weird thing. Scoot and I were texting when it happened. Guido, I will say this and I'm probably going to take some heat for this, but I did not like the whole press conference thing. Let's call a press conference and say it makes us sad and we don't like it. I wish coach Brown would not have done that. Like I wouldn't have given the player in this case, nothing against Akeem Mesador. I I was, I'm actually a big fan of Akeem Mesador, but from a coach, I would have rather he not given them the pleasure of like, man, you impacted us with that decision so bad that I'm now calling a press conference to talk about it. I, you know, I, even if you feel that, like, I, I get it. I get it if you feel that way, but I would have rather he not. I think that. it's hard, Johnson, because, I mean, he literally wrote in that, whatever, that tweet that he put out that he goes, in the last 48 hours, um, I've, I've realized that I feel very unsafe on campus. And that's, I think the school had to react to that, I guess. They, 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 they the school, you know, most of the time when these kids hit the transfer portal, the, the, like the coaches and the team and the play, they let it lie. Like they don't ever, they're like, well, that was a decision they made. We're moving on. I, I think this was different just because of the way that he framed it when he posted that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it was, I think it caught them all by surprise. So they probably felt the need to, well, and to it respond. sounds goofy, right? Let's, as a as the West Virginian here on this podcast, and knowing that West Virginia, <laughs> I like how you is say that, that a shot at us? Or yeah, a little what? bit. I'm just is saying. Is that a shot, shot across yeah. the bow? I mean, what are you trying to do? I'm just saying that uh, I'm you want the to compare West Virginianess or something? I, what are you doing? I might have lived yeah, right. longer here than some of you guys. Ooh. Anyway, um, as the native West Virginian. Or I can't say I'm native, but I yeah, guess I'm, you're not. See, I'm a transplant. But I'm, away. Like anyway, you're... as the resident West Virginian, I think we all know that 
West Virginia is one of the safest states in the United States. Right. So crime wise, don't tell me that you don't feel safe unless now I don't know this is Akeem Mesador somehow connected to the people that may have done something to St. McLeod. I don't know. Are they close buddies? Is there, was there a feeling that Akeem Mesador was next or or could have been a, that could have been well, i mean we don't know that, that. I, I don't know i think i don't even I think know the whole his, situation with i think Shane his McLeod. perception is his reality like i'm not questioning i'm just saying it was a weird like you've been well, you've been part of the program now for years and all of a sudden you're you seeing, feel that way that seems odd and what you're seeing is on twitter he leaves West Virginia, and where's the first place he goes on a visit? I think USC. Yeah, Los Angeles, right? <laughs> so people are like, you're going to go to Los Angeles. Los right. Angeles is safer. Right. And if that's your excuse, then you probably should maybe pump the brakes on going to Los Angeles. You can still go, but don't make that be the first place you book it to right after being in Morgantown. Like, Don't just beat feet and get to Los Angeles first thing. Uh, you know, I... I think it's and here's the thing: he's getting big offers. Oh, I mean that. Sure, that's the other a, thing to remember. He's like, a good player. Auburn, he, to me, yeah, he's a first conference, a uh, first team All Conference defensive lineman. And and I think that's my argument with it is like, don't say that you left West Virginia because you felt unsafe. Say you left West Virginia because there's three SEC schools that want you to come there. Like I think that's where I was with it, and like, I don't think I, I just I don't think what happened to Saint McCla- I I don't want to. I don't want to say put words in anybody's mouth, but you don't. If he had left West Virginia and he transferred to like, uh, I don't know, Miami of Ohio, I would be like, okay, maybe there's an issue. He he's leaving West Virginia and he's going to transfer to an SEC school or a Pac-12 school. Like he's he's going to go to he's going to go to Auburn. He's going to go to Texas. He's going to go to you know USC, whatever it is. You know, yeah. And I, mean? I think this plays into Guido to bring it back to your wins and losses. This is where. I love the JT Daniels news. I'm excited about Graham Harrell. I'm excited about what the offense can do. I'm just like, can JT play defense? Can he like well, that? Like right. I've this, this departure, I think it, that's why we had to step away. Right. Because like, this was part of the type of stuff. Like I think when you're getting excited about one side of the ball, uh, and you guys were equating some of the Will Greer years. You know, I feel like people would say that was often our issue during some of those seasons. We could score. Scoot, you were, um, you know, you talk about the time Tavon went off and we scored like 56 points. We still lost. You know, we, right. we've we had these years where it's too bad. Both sides can't get in sync. I, I hope we're not lamenting that this year. But, you know, I, I keep hoping that they can solidify that. They can make it work. Um, but it still feels super thin on that side of the ball. Yeah, it has to be two. It's going to be 2007 or 2012 all over again. You know, where you're just you're scoring gobs of points. Right. Exactly. So, it's interesting. We're excited. Uh, you know, spring football is in gear right now. I actually think this weekend is the uh, is the spring game. Right. Is that correct? I think you can watch it at wvusports.com on Saturday. So definitely check that out. Uh, it'll be fun. I don't think any of the quarterbacks you're going to see play are going to be the quarterbacks that play next year, but you know, you might see something happen. So uh, definitely check that out. But listen, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk basketball because that's kind of where we left it last time when we were all of in our pain and, and frustration and <laughs> needed our detox. 
So we're going to come back and we're going to dive back into WVU basketball. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. Welcome back to Got Your Ears on Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. Listen, don't forget, you can find us online. Look for us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those places at Got Your Ears. You know, connect with us. Send us a message. We'll tweet do at it. you. Yeah. You know, we'll do those we do things. It. I mean, we'll do it. Now. We'll do it. Find yeah. us online. Yeah. Check out our website, too, gotyourearson.com. Listen, so basketball. I, I think for me, guys, the last time we talked, basketball uh, was just – it was rough it for was, me. I mean, between what's losing, funny is Guido it, actually went around his house and deflated all of the son's basketballs because he was so mad at <laughs> basketball. No more basketball. Right. Yeah, he's no like, more. we're not playing basketball in this house He was anymore. slapping basketballs well, out of their hands. He, they would get the basketball, and I think he'd it's, kick it into the neighbor's yard. He was mad. Right. And you know what? And I think it was hard. I think, you know, we knew we were going to lose some guys. I think losing Jalen, I, I mean, let's be honest, guys. I'll, I'll be completely transparent. Losing Jalen was hard for me. I mean, I'm a Fairmont guy. I'm a polar bear. He's a polar bear. I grew up with his dad. His dad and I played middle school basketball together. Uh, I taught him everything he knows. Are you trying to say that maybe maybe it's the polar bear way? They they leave West Virginia, right? You're not here. No, I don't think I, I don't think that's true. I I mean, you know, we still got Zach Frazier. He's still around. Okay. The Stills brothers. They've been great. I I just think all of that left a bad taste in my mouth. And I think what's even and I, and I'll frame this as nice as I can. Uh, the funniest part about the whole WVU basketball thing is, and Johnson called it, it's such a WVU thing, Bob Huggins gets elected to the Hall of Fame in a year where the team was a complete stinker. It's such an us thing to do, right? It just feels right? so us. Well, and it, I listened to some national sports radio, and it wasn't very well received nationally that Huggins got in because there's a lot of people that put emphasis on – Final Fours and championships, and that's probably why it took him so long to get in and that people out in the national media think of Bob Huggins as a stat collector more so than a championship winner. And and so that's frustrating uh, as a fan of WVU basketball and somebody that, you know, has watched them intently. We, I mean, we, we watch just about every game, and if we're not watching, we're listening to every game. So um, we get the value of Bob Huggins. Whereas the outside, you know, outside of Morgantown, Pittsburgh area doesn't. So um, I think outside of the Big 12 and outside of Cincinnati, Pittsburgh area, 
I don't know that Bob Huggins is as much cherished as he is here, obviously. So it's it's kind of interesting that this, of course, is the year that he gets in when you know he goes to the Final Four with WVU, had been to the Final Four with Cincinnati, mm-hmm. doesn't get a sniff. He wins 900 ga- or 800 games, doesn't get a sniff. He finally wins 900 games. He's now starting to get a – he's, what, the third you, winningest you, coach but, actively? I mean, like, come on. Yeah, that, and that's where my question was. Is like, did the Hall of Fame – did they feel forced because of where he was in wins as it, as it relates to all the other coaches out there that they had to bring him in at this point? I mean, because it's been a thing for the last, what, three yeah. or four years. He's been on the ballot. Right. He hasn't Annually. gotten selected. And everybody goes, why isn't right. Bob Huggins being well, selected? Don't you think, too, and then, like in this last year, in this last cycle of it, it felt like a lot of – media heads people that speak basketball into existence you know on social media on espn on the networks they really took it up like you know why isn't hugs in why does this keep why does he keep showing up i think that may have i don't know maybe not but it felt like that also put some additional pressure on let's get the guy in the hall of fame and not to downplay it any i don't want to downplay huggins getting into the national basketball hall of fame it's amazing I feel like, you know, the the Basketball Hall of Fame is such a different beast than all of the other Hall of Fames. Like, you've got the College Football Hall of Fame, and you've got the NFL Hall of Fame. You've got College Baseball's Hall of Fame, and you've got the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, basketball, for some reason, has this, like, overarching, they've only got one Hall of Fame, and everybody's got to be... and. I feel it feels weird. I feel like it feels weird. It feels weird. It, right? it feels weird. Okay, good. I'm just glad I'm not no, doing it. Feels it feels weird. Like and I'll be honest, I mean, it's a great honor for Bob Huggins. We're baseball guys. So to me, really, the only Hall of Fame that really matters to me is the Baseball Hall of Fame, just because I feel it's tougher Absolutely. to get into than some of the others. Uh, you know, no offense to football. I know they have more players, but it feels like six, seven, eight guys get in each summer. Or whenever they go, I think it's the summer. I just and you look at like this year's basketball Hall of Fame, and it's just such a weird, uh, like group of people. When you have like Huggins is like so when you read the press release that came from the basketball Hall of Fame, Huggins was the third name yeah. on there. So you had you had Tim Hardaway and Manu Ginobili, who are both NBA guys. They were kind of like the two big names, and then from there it was Bob Huggins, and then everybody else. I got to be honest with you. Didn't really know. And let's be honest. NBA coaches if didn't we're being know. honest, can we be honest? In your minds, if you say Tim Hardaway and Manu Ginobili, I just in passing, I don't know that I think of them as Hall of Famer. Maybe Manu more so than Tim Hardaway. But well, but I maybe. think we're not. One word. I think people would look at some of the baseball names you see, Scoot, and you're like, oh yeah, and you can ride, you can ride off like things that Larry Walker. Hall of Famer? But, I mean, I think you would be like, well, wait a minute. He did this and this and this. Right. And I think there's I probably suppose. NBA people that are like, well, Manu Ginobili played for, you know, X number of seasons. So he was a Spurs, Spurs guy, right? Good, they yeah, won some Spurs terrific, had some, good had some great years. teams, yeah. won, you know, one Tim championships. Tim Hardaway, though, I'm like, uh, he's got a son that's Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, he had I, the UTEP two-step. I mean, I don't think that's why they put Is him in. Is that why he got in? Because I, of the UTEP two-step? I, I don't think so. But, but so it's weird. But congratulations to him. I think that it's, it's going back to my initial point, which was it's such a West Virginia thing. Like he gets into the Hall of Fame in a season where the team 
was decimated prior to the beginning of the season from transfers and losing some major names like Oscar Schwebe and Derek Culver. They play a season where I think that, you know, the preseason schedule gave everybody, including myself, uh, some sort of inflated hope on a season that ended up being really bad. And now you lose, you know, players. I think Huggins's demeanor throughout the whole season was a little rough. You know, it didn't sound like it was a fun place to be to be playing for Coach Huggins in the Coliseum. Yeah, and Johnson. I think the other thing, too, about this, they, this WVU men's basketball put out a video, like, when he got the call, Guido. Maybe you guys saw that. And Hugs' reaction when he got off the phone, he just kind of said, oh, how about that? You know, like, it just made me laugh. Like, in true Hugs fashion, it wasn't like mm-hmm. a... You know, like some... he didn't run over and chest bump Larry. He and Ron weren't hugging. It, it wasn't out. like right. this big exclamation no big thing. From it just it made me Eric laugh Martin. that it was in true hugs fashion. He was like, "Oh, how about that?" I think if you ask Hug, and who knows, right? But I think if you press hugs, he's gonna get way more. I think, I think he's he thinks that's an honor, and I'm sure he's happy about it. And I think he said as much, but he's probably way more like Final Fours championships you know things are going to be way more important to him but i think it's a cool thing i think if nothing else it's more cachet for someone that was deserving of that like i think it it started to your earlier point guido becomes silly the more that he's on this list and he's not in it just becomes like i think i think you i think you worry that it then takes on this life of its own where he's like oh here's year seven that he's not in or you know so i'm glad that's not a thing but uh no i i think it's cool i think it's a deserving honor and i think hopefully he now gets to like build you know i i'm hoping that he still has a season upcoming that is worth, you know, like when, when, yeah, you know what I mean? Like when they say (laughs) hall of fame coach hugs, it's because they're talking about him in round two of the tournament. And, you know, before we get too deep there, I said, I said, hope. so let's let's, let's talk about it. Let's take a look at this team. A guy can have hope, right? I mean, you can have hope. There's yes. It's like spring training. Hope springs eternal. But let's talk about uh, Scooty. Talk, talk to us a little bit about some of these transfers that come in. Where's your excitement level, Scoot? Okay, on so, Eric Stevenson. Like well, the first bit of news we get as far as the team for next year is that uh, Kedrian Johnson is returning. Yes. Okay. Kedrian is a starting point guard, sort of. I right. guess we'd call him a point guard. Yes. He didn't really operate as a true point guard a lot of the time. So we have him back. Uh, other starters that we have back are, well, that's about it. Yeah. No, um, we've got, uh, Kobe who sometimes started. We had Seth Wilson who played and hit two threes that were memorable, uh, gave us a couple of decent, you know, games where he had some good minutes spurts, but yeah, nothing. He wasn't a big time starter. Didn't see it. Didn't log a ton of minutes. Yeah, sure. Um, I would venture to guess he probably – I don't know if he had a game where he had over 20 minutes. I would be a surprise if he did. Then you look at – we have Oconquo. We have Jamel King. Jamel King played in spurts. Oconquo barely saw the field, saw the court. Um, the transfers, we're looking at Eric Stevenson. Yeah. Who's a well-traveled Eric Stevenson. A well-traveled. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Came to us from South Carolina. I'm going to guess, and I'm this is speculation – Probably a 
a favor maybe from Frank Martin. Well, he played he played on those old which was Wichita State teams. He did, which was fun. And then he transferred to Washington for a year. Then he yeah. went to South Carolina for a year. Right. Played for Frank Martin. Frank Martin got fired. Yeah. So my guess is Frank probably vouched for him. He might be a very right. good player. Uh, he averaged about 11 and a half. It was 11 or 13 points a game, I think, um, for South Carolina. He's probably going to be a starter. I don't know who else starts over him. He's got one year to play. Then we also see uh, a guard named Joe Toussaint. Right. Who played at Iowa. Yes. Point guard from New York City, which I like, which now, I think that is was, uh, that like was the that. first. He's a Bronx. He's yeah. a Bronx now look, guy. That I was like the that. first thing that perked us up because we've been. He went to Cardinal Hayes. Like yeah, he's a like New Yorker. We, you wanted these New York players. We said a couple shows ago we wished Hugs would circle that's, back on some of those recruiting grounds. And I think this is cool. That's one of those guys, yeah. right? So if he comes in and he he averaged like 4.3 points a game, right? Not, not really uh, burning up the nets. But if he can come in and be J.D. Collins effective or Darius Nichols effective, I think we live with that. I think we're I'm fine with 4.3 points a game if he's averaging six or seven assists a game. Yeah, and That'd I be think great. and I think the quote from Hugs was like, "Look, this guy's a tough nosed kid, plays hard. I think people are going to appreciate his style of play." And I think maybe this is just me, Scoot. Nothing against South Carolina and Eric Stevenson. I mean, they're playing SEC ball, but Iowa is one of those teams that is consistently strong and i feel yeah, like if he's yeah fight. he's had some uh he's had some season you know kind of big some 10 se- i'm sorry big right. 10. yeah i knew what you meant and seasoned activity for them so i i like that i'm i'm hopeful that he can be a really really nice addition i mean you gotta you gotta remember he's coming from a high school that you know jamal mashburn went to like those old that, right that's, i like that that's the guys uh, that's you what wanna, i want you, you that's what i've been those. talking that's about i've been harping about that right i want those guys listen I've been saying this, and I'll say it again. We need more of those guys. We need to go to the parks. We need to go to the 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 high schools, the city school championships. We need to go there and recruit. We don't need to go to the AAU circuit, and we don't need to go to some – I mean, I guess we're going to go to JUCOs, but I like those hard-nosed New York kids. We need to stay out of, like, states that don't mean anything to us. Texas doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Colorado doesn't help me, you know, like Montana. We don't need to go to those places. South that aren't Dakota, help. you're soft. Yeah. Like, come on, don't come here with, with that weak but, stuff. And and here's the thing. And I know we've got more transfers to talk about, but I just want to talk about like Evan, Evan Mayakawa, who is kind of like a basketball, basketball analyst, like online, you know, one of those guys, he works for ESPN. He has WVU rated number four, for picking up incoming Yeah, I was going to bring that Scoot. up too, Scoot. What do you make of that? Because well, we, we've been looking at these sort of like with a tilted head, like, okay, like who's like going to – Who are these guys? But right. are these guys guys? We've got like, two yeah. guys that are coming to us from Power 5 conferences, right? which is good. Well, like That's something that I lamented last year. We yeah. had like three guys from – Group of five, or right. whatever you call it, middle middle of the road conferences. Right. So we've got two guys coming from Power Five conferences. I think if we supplement that with a couple of JUCO type guys, that's fine. I don't. Their chemistry is going to be the thing, though, right? What What do we have? We don't know. If Kedrian Johnson plans on starting, who's not starting? That's coming in. That's the concern I have. Well, and so the, let's let's look at let's look at what's coming in. So like returning, you've already kind of gone over this, Scooty, but I'll I'll hit it real quick. Uh, Keedy Johnson, Kobe, Seth Wilson, Jamil King, James Aconquo, all returning, right? Uh, 
uh, additions that we have. You know, you've got the two Josiahs are the additions this year because, you know, we have to bring in guys named Josiah. So Josiah Harris, Josiah Davis, high school guys coming in. You've got this what's Pat Sumanik? Is that I, I, I don't yes, know if I my pronunciation right is correct. Sumanik, he is a JUCO transfer. Stevenson, who we talked about, Toussaint from Iowa, which is great. You have Muhammad Wagyu. Wagyu. I want to call him the big Wagyu. Can we do? We're going to call him the big. Let's go. I want to call him the big Wagyu. Until corrected, I like him. I'm I'm going to call him the big Wagyu. And then and then now uh, announced this weekend, you have Jimmy Bell Jr. Who big tongue. Averaged I nine like and a nickname. Points. Now this is the interesting one, right? Because this guy looks like a dude. We talk about we want he we looks want like guys a dude. that look like dude. This guy looks like a dude. So he's got two years two years of eligibility left. So I'm just saying, there's a lot of, and I think this is what college basketball is now. Like. You're not. I think every year you're going to have new names. I think that's what's hard for us. Is like we're so used to seeing these guys grow through the program. I think every year you're going to have new names, boys. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm a ride with Jimmy Bell. He's got a lot of swagger. I mean, he says when he in his commitment, he says, "I'm looking forward to bringing bully ball toughness and winning back to Motown." I mean, how do you not love a guy who says this, Scoot? This guy, I'm going to ride with, like. Big Tunk, Big Tunka, whatever we're calling them, I'm all in on Big Tunk. You like a good nickname for starters. I like, and and this guy is a space eater. I watched some video of him, 6'10", 280. He's going to eat up some space. Yeah, I think he's a dude. He's got some size. I read that uh, one of the things he was looking at when he came on his visit, he wanted to see who the, he wanted to meet the, the strength coach. Like, I like that. That's this is what we need right. you know like this he, to me you know who he puts me in the mind of guido is if you if you remember and maybe we can ask solheim this the next time he's on but he reminds me of a uh, brian lewin from back in the day like in on the wow, 98 team you know like scoot saying space yeah. eater and so scoot i feel like you have to like that and a joe toussaint and some, well, some of uh, these pieces now you have to feel so, like maybe we start to have a little bit of something here Let's go back real quick, a very short trip back to what works for Hugs, right? Okay. He likes a big guy that you can throw the ball into. He does. He's always had a big guy that you can throw the ball into in the paint. Right. Right? We had Derek Culver. I wouldn't say that Oscar was that guy because I feel like Oscar can play the high post fairly well, but I feel Culver was a good low post player. I think, well, and I think yes. And I think that he wanted Oscar to be that guy and Oscar didn't want to be that guy. We had Devin Williams before. Devin Williams, right. We had um, we had the Turk, right? Dennis Kalichla. <laughs> the Turk. We've had Danny Jennings. I'll even throw a Danny Jennings in the house. But there's been a we line of people that would fill of that these position. Big guys, yeah, right. These six ten, six eleven, big guys. Like this is not a you when you go into the paint and you run up against. Big Tongue. Yeah, you best come You're going to know you ran up against right. Big Tongue, right? Right. He's not going to fall down. You're going to fall down. Right. That's what we need. We don't have, we didn't have that this year. So I like we it. We had nothing. I mean, he's six, he's, it's good. I mean, 6'10", 270 pounds. That's, that's what dude, you want. Scoot. I mean, hopefully that's what. Yes. He's a dude. And I don't know how many years we have him for. Do we know that? Is it two? Two years. Two years. Ethan Bach just confirmed two years of eligibility. I will take two years of Big Tongue. Let's roll with it. If if the big wagyu 
can be a, a, a an, an additional like rim an protector. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. he's like a Jonathan Holton. I know that there's some talk. I know we didn't talk about this, but there was a little buzz on Twitter that the bio on Twitter, the the WVU bio, had a little bit of a hashtag implemented on it. Uh, hashtag Press yep. Virginia was thrown back on there bringing it back so yeah we did see that yeah we did see i that. just think that uh it's it's one of those things it's it's we'll we'll see what happens I, I feel like you know you get a name like in football you look at the football side and you get a name like jt daniels and that makes you excited i think it's hard to like in basketball it's hard to process these names you don't see as big of guys you know you very rarely see like the shui bays or whatever transfer so Maybe, maybe this this Tunka guy. Maybe this is good, Jimmy Williams or Jimmy Bell, Jimmy Bell Jr. Maybe this is a good good move for WVU. It'll be interesting to see what happens with basketball. And and by the way, we should show. Uh, and by the way, we should throw a shout out to Ethan Bach, who is you know out there. If you if you don't follow him, you need to. He's he's uh, at Ethan Bach underscore. He's he's really on top of this stuff when it comes to basketball. He breaks these pretty fast, Johnson. And by the way, him and our good friend Josh Witt together they make a full goatee. So Yeah, he's he Ethan's a good follow. He's quick on this stuff too. So he's he's a good follow if you're not already. Yeah, definitely definitely check him out. But we'll see what happens. WVU basketball trying to make some moves still early on. I mean, obviously we're months away from practices even being thought about for WVU and Probably some moves still to be made, but we're starting to fill that roster fill out a little bit more, and uh, we'll see what happens. But listen, let's take a break. We're going to come back and finish up this week talking about the surprise of the year, WVU baseball having a pretty darn good season, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives, and when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. Take me out to the ball game Take me out to the crowd Buy me some peanuts and cracker Bye. 
everybody. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. And listen, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. It's still there. And there's still merch to be had, right, Johnson? Yeah, you can click through to the merch store from gotyourearson.com. You can see all the merch that we have uh, on offer. And then you can check out the latest uh, blog post of our show notes for this week's show. And you can listen to the latest show right in the sidebar through the tune-in link. So check it all out. Yeah, check it out, gotyourearson.com. Well, guys, I will say one of the big surprises for me this season has been WVU baseball. Really young team. Uh, There weren't a ton of expectations out of this team. We didn't, you know, we thought there was a lot of growth this year. You had a lot of freshmen and and first-year guys coming in, and and we didn't think, you know, I didn't expect a lot of wins. WVU doing really well right now, 22-12 and overall, 6-3 and in the conference. They dropped two out of three this weekend to Oklahoma State. They play Pitt during the week, but they were looking pretty decent, guys. And I think there's a lot of surprises, uh, including uh, McGuire Holbrook, Scooty, who is right now leading the team batting 354. Yeah, the, the team's got a lot of young, exciting players. Uh, I know we've we've talked a little bit about Grant Hussey, um, we got Weatherholt as another young player. And then you look at guys that are returning players like Austin Davis and, and Victor Scott and some of those guys. Victor Scott, he's having a great season. I think I sent you a tweet. He's on pace for, what, 50 stolen bases in a season? Yeah, I think he's he yeah. just, as a Ricky, the Ricky Henderson fan loves this uh, in me because I, I think the previous record in a season was 30. He's now eclipsed that. And I think as yeah. a team, they've now eclipsed their their former record. So that's pretty awesome. And, and, which is crazy because we're, what, a little more than halfway through the yeah, season. right. We still got a decent amount of games left. Like It's not like we're like two games away from the end of the season. We still get plenty of games left uh, in the year. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I'm surprised. We've, you know, this weekend we played Oklahoma State. We kept up with him. I know the Sunday game was a little rough. But uh, we played decent, a decent series with them. They're number three ranked in the nation, you know, a team that is expected to go to Omaha and play. So I think that, you know, you start to look at how the, the trajectory of what Randy Maisie's doing with this team, and it's, it's really kind of making WVU a, a name in the Big 12. In well, baseball. and I've said from the get-go, the pitching is where I've always had the question. We had some strong pitching the year we went to the Super Regional, and then we had a bunch of guys, six guys, drafted into Major League Baseball after that season. And I felt like since that's happened, we've been trying to put some pieces back together on the on the pitching staff. Um, and I think we had Wolf last year. He was a pretty good pitcher. Uh, and I think he may have gotten drafted as well after last season. But we're now starting to put it together. Uh, our record is what now? It's something 20, 23 and... 22 and 12. 22 and 12. So it's a solid record. Uh, it's a solid team, and I think it's got people excited. If I don't know if you saw some photos from the past weekend, but Mon Mon Park Mon is that what we're calling it? Mon County Park, Wagner, Wagner Field Wagner at Mon Field County at, Park. Yeah, right. It was standing room only. I mean, there was yeah. people standing along the concourse watching the game, which is really cool I mean, to see. Right. I mean, those Baylor that uh, that three game series against Baylor. We were selling out those games. We swept Baylor over the weekend. You know, we've got Pitt. I mean, I'm excited. I'm always excited when we play this game against Pitt every year on Tuesday at PNC Park. It's on ESPN Plus if you get it or the ACC Network. Um, So that'll be fun to watch. And then we travel. 
We hit the road and we travel to Lubbock next weekend and play Texas Tech. But it's for the first time in a while where WVU is one of the higher-ranked teams in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, it's a fun season. I'm looking forward to seeing where it shakes out at the end. Um, Selfishly, I hope they do well because then maybe it means uh, that I go to some playoff games and things of that sort so we'll see what happens there you're still you still reliving those alex manoa yeah, alec, alec, you know days alex manoa that was awesome and i was walking into the stadium and then that home run happened i think it was duke hit the home run i don't remember who i know it wasn't duke hit the home run but it was uh what texas a&m yes texas a&m hit the home yeah. run they had beaten duke earlier uh hits the home run and i was like you got to be kidding me so that was kind of a letdown because that's kind of what ended their their magical run that year but um i'm excited to see how it shapes up wvu right now third ranked in the big 12 so it's it's the right direction for this team and i think what's even more impressive about it johnson is that you know randy Maisie's doing it with a team that all along the media even the coaching staff was saying listen guys this they were they were tempering our expectations early on like this is a young team. This is, you know, Grant Hussey, freshman, hitting home runs. Like, this is a young team. Yeah, and I think it's exciting, and it has to be exciting for them. When I think they finished last year in the in the Big 12, like 8-16. and 16. They're already 6-3. and three. You mentioned uh, in conference, you mentioned getting that series uh, win over TCU. I think that's the first time they had gotten a series win against them since being in the Big 12. So I think it's super interesting and i think the more that you follow along and you and you pay attention to to randy Macy's crew you start to get an appreciation for just how crazy good big 12 baseball is i mean it's just a great league really top to bottom so if you're getting wins and you're holding your own in this conference you're doing something you're doing something something right. i didn't know scooty unlike college football and basketball which have like whatever the coaches poll and the ap poll College baseball has like seventeen different polls. There's there's like there are like there's like five or six. Like baseball America has a college poll, and then there's the there's the coaches poll yeah. that's done, done by, by the NCAA the does Today. one. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a ton, a ton of them. WVU ranked in a couple of them uh, in the high twenties, the twenty four twenty five area but I, th- I thought it was interesting to see that there were so many different that's like the, the all-american and then baseball. you were a parade all-american because you got your little headshot in the parade section of the sunday newspaper or whatever that little insert magazine um yeah it's it's yeah. a interesting thing it's, I, that's the one thing about sports that's crazy to me is that you can have one sport that's division one ncaa sanctioned sport and this you know they have one or two polls then you go to another season and they've got five or six. Like it's like what the heck? What's going on? But definitely check it out. WVU baseball, a great series coming up this weekend. All the games are on ESPN Plus against Texas Tech Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Some night games in there too. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. And then we play Penn State uh, in Morgantown next Tuesday. So or next, excuse me, next Wednesday we play Penn State in Morgantown. So definitely. Check that out. It's fun watch. Fun watch right now with WVU Baseball. Well, listen, guys, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to keep doing shows. Don't worry. We're not gone. I know we took a couple weeks off. We needed it. It was a rough <laughs> It was a rough end of the season. 
some therapeutic time away. We yes, we all like listen. I'm sure, like many of you, we all spent a lot of money with our therapists to kind of work it out to to you know figure out our problems with WVU sports. But we'll be back. We're gonna try to get Brett Solheim on here in the next couple of weeks to join us and talk to us about WVU basketball. We've got some other people we're lining up to get on the show, and uh, we'll keep you busy. We'll keep you notified and up to date during the off season. So don't go anywhere. And listen, find us online. You can look for us on social media at Got Your Ears On on Twitter and Instagram, and you can search for us on. Facebook. We're there as well. And check out our website, gotyourearson.com. We'll be back soon, guys, with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. <laughs>